Welcome to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast, a podcast that equips therapists to thrive in business, expand their reach, and create flourishing and meaningful lives, both personally and professionally. I'm your host, Claire Blakey. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice. I believe in being a multi-passionate therapist. You can have a thriving, financially impactful business, be a leader in the community, and also a business entrepreneur. You don't have to choose and your impact as a clinician can go beyond the therapy room. I believe that you can be a therapist and an entrepreneur, a therapreneur, and I believe that every therapist deserves the tools, community, and resources to build thriving businesses and flourishing lives. I pair my passion and previous career in PR, marketing, and blogging with my education and experience as a clinician to equip therapists like you who are multi-passionate and wanting to pursue additional opportunities to grow your skill set and expand your reach. So what are we waiting for? Let's get going. Let's create impact and build flourishing lives and businesses we're proud of. Here we go. Season two of the Flourishing Therapreneur is brought to you by Thryzer. Thryzer provides therapists with an end-to-end, out-of-network billing support for their clients. Are you in private practice and want to support clients in getting reimbursed with their super bills and other out-of-network expenses, but don't have the bandwidth to do it alone? Look no further. Thryzer submits all of your insurance claims after every appointment to get faster reimbursement for your ideal clients. And even better, they handle all denials and slowdowns so that clients don't have to stress or contact insurance at all. The riser is affordable and seamless. It's absolutely free to sign up and the processing fee is only 3%. Partnering with Thryzer is an awesome way to make your private pay practice more accessible while positively improving your client experience, thus impacting your client retention and increasing your professionalism for your private practice. Better yet, The onboarding process is seamless and it's super easy to onboard clients and get started. So what are you waiting for? Check out the link in the show notes and use the code flourish to begin your three week free trial. Hi Kelly, and welcome to the flourishing therapreneur podcast. I'm so glad you're here. If you want to take a moment and introduce yourself, um, I know the audience would love to know who you are a little bit about your experience and your education. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you so, so much for having me. It's fun. Um, We were just talking about this before we recorded, but it's so fun to be talking to someone else who's in Santa Barbara. You know, like normally when you're on a podcast, you're halfway across the world and it's been fun to connect with somebody who's right here. So um, anyway, my name is Kelly Stevens. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist here in Santa Barbara. Um, and I run a page on Instagram and then also a website called the private practice pro. And I teach therapists how to build and open cash pay private practices. So that's uh, my work life. And then other than that, I'm a toddler mom and a wife and surviving in the pandemic by cooking way too many meals. (laughs) I don't know. I could go on about that. That's basically who I am. Awesome. Thank you, Kelly. Um, and so for people that are listening, so they're they're hearing that you are in private practice, that you're a therapist, but you also are teaching therapists private practice skills, which is so awesome. And I, I love linking arms because I feel like even though what we do is similar, it's a little bit different too, because I know that you're specific to private practice where I'm teaching private practice, but also other entrepreneurial things. 
but I feel like anyone that's listening is going to be really resonating with what you do because, you know, most people listening are curious, like maybe they are wanting to launch a private practice or maybe they have a courage to dream up a new business idea. And I love that you are also supporting therapists in that shared mission. Um, so what can they know about you in terms of like your private practice? Do you want to share a little bit about how that grew and like your background and how that started? And then I also want to learn more about the private practice pro and how that was birthed as well. Really? Okay. Awesome. So gosh, it's hard to think about where to start and what would be most useful to people listening to this, but, um, maybe just talking a little bit about my private practice and that. So, um, gosh, I'm thinking, so I, when I first started out was really lucky in that I, started as an intern in a private practice. So at that point in time in California, we still called um, pre-licensed professionals interns. So now we call them associates, right? And I always get it mixed up. So just while we're listening, if I say intern, that's why. That's what we were called at that point. Um, So I was really lucky in that right from the time I started, I had kind of my feet in private practice. And I worked oftentimes like a couple jobs. So I would work at a treatment center during the day um, and then in a private practice in the afternoon and got a lot of licensing hours that way. And, you know, a lot of times people will ask like, um, how did you score a private practice internship or an associate Mm. position? You know, I think that that's a question I get a lot. Um, I teach down at Pepperdine. And so a lot of times the students will ask me that, like, how do I get a private practice associate position? You know? Um, And I always tell people like, it's really about networking and Mm -hmm. really like getting out there and meeting people and connecting with people who you feel like are the right fit. Um, And actually my private practice bosses at that period of time, one of them was a professor of mine at Pepperdine. And then um, one of them I met somehow through some networking thing. So I was actually connected with them while I was still a student. And then I ended up working for them as an intern um, and did all of my, uh, the majority of my licensing hours there for a year and a half after graduation. Um, and then I was really lucky at that point because I have, um, kind of a marketing background and I'm from a family of entrepreneurs. So I primarily was seeing teenagers who, if any of us know, like they all want to come after school, right? So I had all day off in the morning until after school and I'd work pretty late. And so my bosses at that point asked me to do the marketing for, at that point, they had a big outpatient program, private practice. They had a lot of things going on. Um, And so while I was still an intern, I had the opportunity to really learn how to market a private practice, how to build a private practice, Mm -hmm. how to teach therapists how to have private practices. And um, my whole job, really, during the day when I wasn't seeing clients was to meet with other therapists. So I had the chance to, over the course of, I was there for five years. And over the course of those five years, I probably met with like three or 400 other private practice therapists all throughout Los Angeles, Orange County and Santa Barbara County. Yeah, Um, And that was an amazing experience. I had this chance to really like realize that like everyone builds private practices in different ways. Everyone brings different strengths and weaknesses. And I could kind of like take what I liked and leave the rest, you know, of like, oh, this is something that might work for me, not work for me. Um, And so when I was finally done with my hours and I had been there quite a long time, I decided I was like, okay, it's time. Like I got it. Yeah, take the jump. (laughs) And so I did. 
great. Yeah. And I made the jump. And, you know, I think that's a lot of what we'll talk about today. But like, it's always scary to make that jump. I'm sure that was the same for you. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, my God, to get out there and just be on your own. It's so scary. But um, I was lucky in the sense that I when I left a group practice and to form my own practice, I actually left and just went into a suite of eight therapists and we were all separate businesses. Um, but it was other women who I've known forever and who I'd, I always say, like, I grew up with them, you know, like they were really established and they taught me so much so mm-hmm. having that chance to then them and have that support was huge. Uh, yeah. Well, I was gonna say, that's really cool too. Cause it sounds like you made the jump and it was kind of calculated in a certain sense. Like you had built a lot of wisdom and experiences and through your other job, like really learned skills that gave you additional confidence or gave you additional um, wisdom to kind of like take that step. But also I love hearing that you took the step and you had an independent practice, but you also had a community of colleagues around you, which I feel like is not always the case. Sometimes people go and it's like, they're very isolated. I know for me in my private practice, um, I'm in an office downtown and a lot of people in the building are also therapists. So it's nice to have those people that you have your own space, but then if you want to like go grab coffee during a break, you have that camaraderie, which I think sometimes scares people not to have if they're taking that leap. Oh, totally. I mean, it can, I, I'm sure like it can be really isolating to be a therapist, even though you're talking all day long, you know, or listening all day long. I, do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I completely agree with you. And at different points because of my husband's job, we moved, I moved my office a few different times to a couple different cities. And at one point, the only time that I was ever alone in an office, you know, that I didn't have um, like a suite of other therapists, honestly, I hated it. <laughs> I really like the camaraderie having other people around because you know it gets lonely and it's so nice even just in like two seconds to be able to pop your head out of the door and say like oh my goodness this was a really tough session or this was a really great session or obviously respecting confidentiality but um, yeah no and I always feel too there's that piece of like I am an extrovert I don't know if you are too and I feel like I love holding space for people and no one asks me about my day. <laughs> so even if I'm just seeing someone in the hall, that's like another colleague that's like, Oh, Claire, what were you up to this weekend? I'm like, Oh yeah, you care. <laughs> I would love to tell you for two minutes what I was up to. Um, that actually goes a long way for me. <laughs> oh yeah. hundred percent. It makes a huge difference. You know, having those people around is like, is awesome. So I yeah. highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's get into it. I want to hear um, as we were, Our conversation today is really focused on, you know, taking that brave step out of an agency into private practice, or maybe they're not at an agency, maybe they're in someone else's private practice and they said, Hey, you know what? I have the confidence. I'm ready. Let's go for it. Um, What would you say is like the biggest fear or what do you think that therapists tend to kind of be up against when they're, they're thinking about leaving their agency? No, I would say a, f- a few different things. And you're right. I think it could be anything, right? It can be an agency. It can be a treatment center, another private practice, or even just like the stability of having a job in mental health that's maybe not treatment center, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know about you. I'll say, I'll speak for personally. Yeah. My biggest fear was one, like the business side, you know, like mm. what forms am I supposed to have? Do I need to incorporate my business? Do I not? Like there's so many yeah. technical things that, like for me, I never learned in grad school. Um, mm. and that held me back for a surprisingly long time, you know, like it's information that's out there that you can get. 
Uh, it's information I cover in a course I have coming up, but it's surprising. Like you can't Google it, you know, like I was mm-hmm. constantly trying to Google, like, how do I open a private practice? And it, <laughs> needless to say, I couldn't figure it out. So I spent like an extra two years in a job that I was already probably grown out of because I was afraid to try to figure out that information. And I was mm-hmm. afraid that I would make a mistake had some big liability factor, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was number one. And then the numbers for me, like I was already in a private practice, so I was already used to the fluctuating income. Um, mm. But I think that for a lot of people leaving agency jobs, especially, or jobs where they have a fixed income, it can be really scary to imagine taking on a business where your income is not the same every single month. And especially because totally. many of us therapists have loans and we live in expensive places and think, oh my God, like, am I really going to be able to hack it? You know? I think I was afraid of failing. That sounds like kind of cheesy and cliche, but like, I think I already felt really good about private practice because I had also done in like an associateship in private practice. But I think that piece of like, not knowing, you know, what, what was on the other side. Like I knew what it was like to have a supervisor. I knew what it was like to do private practice in that context, but I didn't know what it would feel like to do that on my own without that, like almost security blanket of like, okay, if I do something wrong, someone else is going to get in trouble, not me. Like, I think there was that piece, like, as I wasn't licensed when I was an associate in practice. And so I think that fear of the liability and I know I'm definitely very much a rule follower. And so kind of like what you're talking about Mm -hmm. with like the overwhelming thoughts of like, how do I, you know, what are the business models that I need to do or like Googling things and not having the answers for them. I think I was afraid of like getting in trouble. Like what if I do it wrong? What if I, (laughs) and it's scary, right? (laughs) Um, But I think I've always felt really confident. Like this is the career path for me and this is like really what I want. And I think, I think we kind of have maybe DM'd about this or talked about this in a different context, but like the gift has actually been now that I am a mom, like I didn't even realize how valuable it would be to be my own boss until like now that I have my own daughter, like, wow, like this is a gift to choose my schedule. It's a gift to choose my rate. It's a gift to choose the clients I want to work with and not be like, I have to work 40 hours. It's rigid. It's set. I have to say yes to a client I don't want. Like I love the freedom that it gives. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think that's the biggest, the freedom, like more than anything, like that word, just freedom in general is huge across any life stage but especially I think in early motherhood definitely totally um what would you say are like um advice or tips that you would give like to helping people overcome those fears like if they have fears about you know taking that leap or they have um you know like concerns like what would you what would you speak into for that well you know I um this is like reminding me and this is totally non-scripted so I'm going to forget her name but like I am a big what's that lady's oh big fan of that lady uh Marie Forleo remember yes yeah 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 anyway okay this book title and I haven't even read the book I'm sorry but that's called everything is figure outable yes just phrase to me like is so true I think when it comes to private practice is like I always tell therapist clients that I work with in consulting like that private practice is a well-worn path. You know, it can seem like this scary new adventure that you're going on, but actually like private practice therapists have been around for quite a while and there's a way to do it. You know, like there's a finite amount of information that you need to know from a business perspective to get your business set up. 
So you can figure it out. Like everything's figure outable is that phrase. Yeah. So even if you gather the information in different ways or you take an online course or you ask a friend or you talk to a supervisor, there is a way to figure out how to have a private practice and you just have to like take the step to try, you know? And I would mm-hmm. say like, that's the advice I give people is like, just start taking baby steps to gather the information yeah. you need. Like, you know, one weekend, get your paperwork together. The next weekend, take another therapist out to lunch. You know, even if you're working full time, like in the mm-hmm. evenings, on Squarespace or any other therapist website, uh, what is the other one? Simple Practice has one. Um, I like that therapist site toolbox. They have one. And like yeah. play around with the templates. Start making, you know, like you can figure it out. You just take really small steps, I would say. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And that feels like doable, right? Like I think sometimes when we look at the to-do list, when we really look at like all that's required to launch a business, that can almost, you know, put us in that fight, flight, or freeze mode of like, Either I'm going to like ignore it, (laughs) just not going to do it. I'm going to run away from it. But when you take it into those bite-sized chunks, like that makes it more approachable. It feels like a kinder way to, to address it too. Because I imagine if you are in a spot where you're contemplating that, you probably do have a job that you're already working. So the idea of like, how do I straddle two jobs that are full-time or how do I launch a business successfully when I don't have very much bandwidth and maybe I'm already burnt out. So that makes it really, um, I don't know, just bite size and also kind. I feel like that's a really kind way of viewing it in terms of just like doing that for yourself. Totally. I think like anytime we can take baby steps, it's good. And, you know, I'll have clients who will be like, I just want to do this all in one weekend and we'll spend like a weekend just setting it up. And then I have other people who are like, I'm going to take six months to figure it out, you know? And I think either way you go about it, depending on your personality, like the destination's the same, right? Like you want to have your own business established therapist. Okay, great. And then there is, I feel like a jumping off point where you decide, you know, okay, I'm going to work X amount of hours in my current job. And then I am going to free up some space, you know, because eventually you do need to have enough space to see clients, obviously. Um, And I always tell people, my advice is like, try to make that at least two days, even if it's two evenings or something, because offering clients only one day a week is going to be hard to build. It's limiting, you know? Yeah. Well, you're kind of speaking into some pieces that um, I was noticing and thinking about too of like, I think there's like that personality piece of like what, like you were just saying of like what you're able to take on and like how you approach it, like whether it's in a couple weeks or like in six months. But I also think there's like that privilege piece too of like, you know, everyone's life is different, right? And so like for some people, they're the sole provider. So it's like they can't just quit a job and like hope that their business is going to kick off and pay their mortgage. I'm talking to a friend right now that's about to take the leap and like that piece of like, yeah, like if she has to pay her mortgage and she doesn't have a partner, how do you take that calculated risk? Is it not me fully quitting, maybe seeing if you can go to part-time and you know, on the other days, build your practice, or like you were saying, pick a couple evenings or, you know, slowly grow. And I've talked to other people that, you know, use academia and maybe teach. And that's like their secure income is like the teaching income. And then they build the private practice on top of that. So really just feeling like it's such a personalized experience of like, everyone has a different starting point. Everyone has a different lived story, whether that's their lived experiences, their personality, or even their privileges or their, their life in terms of, you know, financial, um, you know, income or partnership or kids. Like there's so many variables. (laughs) Oh, a hundred percent. And like, 
there's so many different ways to do it. You know, people will often tell me like, I have a full-time job. I can't do it. And I'll say like, let's just start with telehealth. You can see two appointments a week on like a Tuesday evening at six and a Thursday evening at six. And then maybe you see two clients in the morning on Saturday mornings and like even four clients a week is going to add a lot to your income. If you're, especially if you're seeing a cash pay practice, like, so, and then you slowly can work into it. It doesn't have to be like a full-time thing. Yeah, totally. Well, that kind of like leads into the thought, and I know we're already kind of speaking into this, but like what what advice would you have or like what are tangible ways that people can like begin taking those steps? So you're mentioning like researching the paperwork. And I think you've spoken into this before too of like learning from your supervisors, like what what systems are they doing well? What systems are they not doing well? Can you like start, you know, creating your own systems? Like what, what other tips would you give for people that are in an agency or at a private practice that, you know, they can really take advantage of now? That they could do like before they left their job? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things you can do before you leave your job. And I feel like there's so many things that I kind of like hit, wish I had done before I left my job. And in many ways, like I felt prepared and in many ways I just jumped and was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, but like the first thing I always tell people, which seems like kind of a backwards way to do it is to start working on your website because that takes mm. time. Yeah. It takes thoughtfulness, you know, and it's something you can just do for fun in the evenings. Now, sometimes people are like, no, making a website is not fun and I'm just going to hire someone to do it. And that's totally fine too. Um, yeah. but there's so many ways to make it on your own and to like have a template site and just that and like I think when you do that it gets like the creative juices flowing number one and it gets you excited about it it's not like doing like the tax part first you know (laughs) like it kind of gets like amped like oh my god I'm making this business and and you don't have to make it live at all your bosses don't have to know like you can just have it and be working on it in the background it's not going to be on the internet as long as you're careful not to put it on the internet um so I would say that's like number one and then if you are at the point where you're in a job where you can be on social media, like as a therapist and they don't care, some jobs care and some don't. I think it's, it's like never too early to build an audience, you know, like as, as you know, like we're both on Instagram, like it takes time to build a following if you're planning to market your business through social media. And so totally. if you're still in a current job love talking about women who have anxiety and like you don't even have to say you're a private practice therapist just start creating content about yeah. women and anxiety you know and start building a following for just who you are as a person even you know? and then um I would say that and then start gathering the information you need for the business side like make a giant checklist figure out all the things you need and then just work your checklist I love it that is like so encouraging and inviting too, right? Because it kind of gives you the permission to like begin. And like that piece that you said too, of like, you don't have to make it live if you don't want to, but you're getting the bones and the structure and the heartbeat onto paper and or onto the webpage. Um, and totally. I like that piece too, of like the, even the social media piece, it's like, you could make it about being a therapist or you could just begin practicing your copywriting skills, practicing your formatting on Canva, like just getting familiar with the systems because it actually is a learning curve. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I that feels really inviting and very encouraging. I'm wondering, is there anything that you noticed that you learned? Like, 
I almost wonder if anyone that's listening is wondering like, okay, I've worked at an agency and I can do that, but can I maybe questioning their confidence of like, can I actually be in private practice? Can I be good at this? Like, are there skills that you specifically reflect on or remember that you learned in an agency that you can then translate into private practice to kind of like affirm people that are listening that, you know, like you are already doing this and it's just a different way of doing it. I mean, and I'd be interested on, in your thoughts on this too. Like, yeah, I feel like in the agency jobs that I worked in, it was harder. Like, I felt like it was harder than working in private practice. You know, I, I think people make private practice out to be this like really challenging thing, but I find that life is easier in private mm. practice and that the stuff that I carry is easier. I don't feel as burnt out. I'm not seeing as high of acuity. Yeah. And now everybody's different, you know? Um, and so in many ways, I tell people like, um, I don't know what the phrase is, but like, you kind of like earned your, your, your strength <laughs> in an agency, you know, like yeah. you probably are more prepared than you think you are to interact, especially in a clinical sense. And then when it comes to the business side, it's information you can get, you know, it's not like you're having to like reinvent the wheel. And so because you already have so many of the skills that you need from working with very challenging client populations in challenging settings, more than likely you have more strength in this than you probably realize. You know, a lot of times I think people get stuck in agencies and they'll feel like, oh, I've been here forever. I can't go open a business when they don't necessarily realize that maybe the agency is actually harder than working in a private practice, you know? Yeah. That's so true. And I think there is that piece, like you said, like a lot of times in agency work, or if you're doing your clinical hours to get licensed, you're often seeing like the sickest of the sick people, people that are, you know, maybe not the population that you're passionate about, or maybe, um, maybe not even a good fit for it, but you kind of have to do because you have a certain amount of, you know, child hours, a certain amount of couple hours that you need to accrue. And I think that is one of the gifts of private practice is when you really get clear on who you're good at working with and who you love working with. Because yeah. then you're actually filling your caseload with clients that you enjoy and it doesn't feel the same type yeah. of heaviness. It feels you could have the same amount of clients, but it could feel so much lighter because you don't have that high suicidality client or that high risk client that you're just really, you know, anxious about or holding in a different way. Totally. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think we think that private practice is going to be harder when in a lot of times the acuity level is not as high, you know, yeah. so hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I was also going to say too, cause you're asking a little bit about my experience too. I, so I used to work as a director of education at AHA. It's like a local nonprofit that does social and emotional learning for teens, which is super fun. So I did a lot of my clinical hours there uh, alongside other clinical sites too. But one of the things that I think was really cool and maybe other people that are in agencies or nonprofits can resonate with is in the nonprofit world, you actually wear a lot of different hats. And so like through my time there, like I led groups, I led webinars, I did things that like wouldn't be like the average thing that I would necessarily sign up for, but built additional confidence in terms of oh yeah, I can do this. Like my, my employer believes in me, my boss believes in me, my supervisor believes in me. So like sometimes in those jobs, you actually get opportunities that are a little bit outside the box, just the nature of how nonprofits are. Like you wear lots of hats, you're formatting things, you're doing flyers. Like I was working in a lot of schools. So meeting a lot of principals, which exactly like what you were saying, right? that's networking, that's building connections. That's tying in like, Hey, not only do I work here, but I also have private practice. And like, getting your name in the community. So 
some of those opportunities are actually like blessings in disguise too, because they're actually really giving you um, access to people you would otherwise never network with or meet. And those people can be valuable in your private practice growth. Um, Totally. 100%. Totally. Like you learn how to talk to people, you learn how to interact with community members, which is a huge part of private practice, you know? Um, So yeah, I totally agree with you on that one. Yeah. Well, I want to hear a little bit more about you and about what you love about private practice. Like what, what do you enjoy about it? What have you found to be, you know, meaningful? And also on the opposite end, like anything that you didn't expect that has been challenging. I'd be curious to hear both sides. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well, let's start with the bad because then we can end with the good. <laughs> um, so I would say, uh, yes, I agree with you. I think the isolation piece is hard. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I, for me, I, again, I'm the same way. I'm an extrovert. I love being around people and you think as a therapist, you're around people, but then you're not as much. And so I've always, that's been the more challenging thing. I love working on teams of people. I loved working in treatment because I loved working on a clinical team. And so mm-hmm. in any private practice that I've worked in, I really tried to kind of recreate that, you know, like I have the psychiatrists that I work with a lot. I have the school counselors that I work with a lot. And I like think I'm constantly trying to like simulate a treatment team in a way, you know, which is good mm-hmm. for my clients, you know, but, but I think that that's the challenging part. You know, if you're somebody who loves working on a team, um, you just have to make sure you're creating that in private practice. So I would say yeah. that's the thing that I like yeah. the least and what I loved about working in treatment. And then, I mean, for me, the benefits are like, endless. <laughs> I mean, I would create it for anything. And oftentimes, you know, like friends or whatever will play like this game of like, what would you do if you didn't do your current job? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Like, I really don't know that I would do anything else. Like, um, because like you've said, freedom is huge, especially I have a toddler. And so, um, you know, I have really the luxury of not working a ton and mm. having especially practice the ability to earn more per hour than I pay for childcare, which, you know, for a lot of moms in our country is not space, right? They're just working to pay for childcare and breaking even. And so I think that that is huge. And for the most part, the, the further along, I think you get in private practice, you learn to leave it at the office, you know? So it's like, you're yeah. there and then you're not there at least. And um, I would say that's a huge benefit versus like having to take a ton of work home at night, you know, and, and to be careful with that. But for the most part, I feel like I'm good about that. And, um, and then certainly I would say, how do I say this? Like, I think that you in private practice have the ability to earn the income you want and make choices about how you give back, you know? And so like for me, I always have four sliding scale spots in my practice. I don't take insurance for a variety of reasons that this episode is not about. Um, But I try to always have four sliding scale spots in my practice when I'm full. So right now I work part-time, so then I have two. But um, And for that, I try to um, serve clients who are at or below minimum wage, and I charge one hour of work for them. So if they're making $15 an hour, I'll charge $15 or something. But it allows me to provide some accessibility. But on the flip side of that, I don't offer like $20 off my fee or $30 off Got my it. fee for people who just want to 
convenient, right? So I try to make it accessible rather than and everyone handles it differently. Um, mm. I really love open path, you know them, but like they help, you know, pair uh, clients with, with therapists who offer some sliding scale spots. And I think that that, that's one of the benefits of private practice is you get to choose how mm. you give back while also taking care of yourself and your family. Um, because it's a balance, you know, like you're paying for childcare often, you know, and also having to balance your own mental health and your own earning and how it all works. And I think this gives me the greatest sense of control over that um, versus other jobs where you have someone else's control of when you get time off, how much you get paid yeah. and all of that. So. I love that. And I love that you're speaking into like how personalized that is. And like, it's cool to hear. I love hearing everyone's different um, philosophies when it comes to like sliding scale or how they give back. Um, you know, I've had very curious conversations. Everyone's very different. And it's funny how, you know, there are a lot of common themes and maybe a lot of our grad school programs teaching us a certain way. I know for me, like one of my thoughts is like, I feel like we give back in different ways. So like for me, for example, I'm in a lot of leadership positions for therapists, which is volunteer. So I'm like, oh, I'm giving back in that way. I'm improving the field where for other people, they've, I've heard the concept of like, you know, you shouldn't give a sliding scale if you don't have your own financial needs met. So it's like, if you're not even paying your rent or you're not even covering your overhead, how can you flex and cover someone else's? So like, there's a lot of just curious philosophy. So I really actually love hearing what you said about how you choose, you know, strategically the four slots, if you're full two if you're part-time and I like that um, way of matching what they give. So that's a, another idea to kind of have aud the audience resonate and ruminate and kind of digest and, see if that lands for them too. Um, and I know we're kind of beginning to wrap up our time together, but I was curious as we're wrapping this up, I know that you have some exciting endeavors, courses, you know, ways that you support therapists. So can you share, like, what are those resources that you provide? So that way I'm sure a lot of my audience would love, if they're not already following you, love to hear what you're up to and how they can learn and grow from you too. A hundred percent. So I do a few things. So first and foremost, I try to provide a ton of free content on Instagram. And like, I feel like um, that's one of my own personal ways of giving back. Kind of like you're saying with taking on leadership yeah. positions, I provide a lot of free advice on Instagram. So even if you're in a place where you're like, you know what, all I can do is like get on social media, then like you'll get basically like daily tips on how to open a private practice. So that's and also for anyone listening, Kelly is also like super encouraging. I feel like you watch your videos and you're like, wow, like you're like speaking into me. You're like believing in me. You're cheering me on. Like you have a very vibrant personality and you break it down in a very tangible way. So everybody needs to follow along because it's very encouraging. So I do that. Yeah, I have an Instagram and I'm at the private practice pro. I'm sure it's in the show notes. And then um, for anyone who's like, okay, I'm ready to take the leap and I need to know the steps and I have to have like a step-by-step -step format. Um, I have an online course coming out the first week in March of 2021. Wait, what, what, where are you? 2022. 2022. Okay. First week in March 2022. So like a few weeks from now. Um, I can't even, I still feel like I'm in 2020 and like having trauma memories. Anyway, um, it's totally real. So I have an online course coming out called the Private Practice Roadmap, which basically gives you 
every single step you need to take from the moment you think you want to open a private practice through that first session. You know, we end mm. with the first session. So it gives you all the tools and the scripts and the resources that you need in order to open a private practice. So, Amazing. Um, and you can find that by finding me on Instagram or going on my website. All the information is there. Um, and I tried to make this a course that like, I wish I had had, <laughs> you know, I wish someone had just laid it out for me because I felt like I had to go gather all that information way back when. So, um, yeah, yeah that's it. And other than that, I just, uh, that's all I think. I have a lot of free resources on my webpage, free downloads all the time. So you can check those out too. Awesome. Well, Kelly, this has been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. I feel in a lot of different ways. One, like I love that the audience is going to really learn from you and absorb some of your wisdom and experiences, but also selfishly and personally, like as a friend, like growing in friendship with you, knowing that you're in Santa Barbara so we can do, you know, mom hangs with our babes or coffee dates and just cheer each other on. I think it's a gift to have other entrepreneurial therapists in our corners and unfortunately it doesn't feel like there's that many out there. So when we find them and we're also lucky enough to be in the same city, it's like awesome to link arms and to cheer each other on. So grateful for your time, for your friendship and cheering you on as you launch your course. And thank you so much for being here today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Hi, flourishing therapeneurs. I wanted to hop on and share that our course flourishing in private practice is coming spring, 2022. If you are a pre-licensed student, trainee, associate, or even a licensed therapist that perhaps is either wanting to learn more about strengthening your private practice or curious to take the leap from agency to being your own boss, this course will walk you through all the steps from the basics of setting up your business structure, creating your brand, building your reputation in the field, and strengthening your systems to help your business flourish. This course is filled to the brim with tangible examples templates, and structure to help your business thrive and for you to grow and flourish personally and professionally. This course will be open for enrollment for two weeks in the spring, and then we'll close until the fall for a second round of enrollment. If this is you and you're wanting in, go to our website at theflourishingtherapreneur.com to join our mailing list and to be the first to know when the doors open. We also have a free download on our website called 10 Steps to Starting a Private Practice, available for you today. So if you're wanting to get started sooner or dip your feet into the idea, don't wait another moment. I'm looking forward to continuing to grow and flourish together as therapists and entrepreneurs. As therapreneurs, let's go. Thank you for tuning in to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review as that helps other clinicians and therapreneurs find our community and thrive through our offerings. Want to take your business a step further? Visit theflourishingtherapreneur.com or our Instagram with the same handle. Connect with our free community or sign up for an upcoming course to help cultivate your thriving business and endeavors so you can flourish personally and professionally. Until next time, I'm your host, Claire Blakey, and I believe you deserve to flourish as a therapreneur.